Hey guys, Dan here. I want to say a massive thank you to our new sponsors, Fight Fuel UK. Fight Fuel UK are a sports supplement and clothing company for the boxing, MMA, and martial arts community. Be sure to check out their great products on fightfuel.co.uk. And remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast. Thank you for listening and please enjoy this episode. Here we are with the boys. We got Shane, we got Riley. What is popping? How is post Polaris feels? How are you holding up? It is what it is, isn't it? Um, just going to look back on what happened and move forward. I've got that Empire grappling invitation thing next week, so I'll take my mind off of it. What about you, Riley? Are you coping all right? Are you um, finished crying yet? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm, you know, it's what it is, isn't it? Going in as an underdog. I didn't, I didn't expect him to come away with a win. It would have been nice to get, you know, come away with a goal, sorry. Would have been nice to get a win, but, you know, it's a big stage. When Top you're cornering um, Shane, do you get to call you coach? Yeah, they did actually. It felt weird. It didn't feel right, to be fair, when I was back there with, like, Nick Forrer, who's, like, a first-degree black belt or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bit like... If... For people who don't like know you guys, it must seem like a bit like, okay, what the fuck is this? You got blue, a purple belt and a blue belt with black belt saying, oh, go. <laughs> like the sort of core advice you compare, like the intricacy, like, yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, I get that. I get it. But at the same time, I spend a lot of time with Shane. So I've, mm. I've seen him in these spaces before at competitions with high level guys. So I am sort of used to it in a way. I'm not saying I know what they know, but I can give him a sort of like the time at least, you know what I mean? I can do something. Not completely. Yeah, he's, he's a stopwatch. Good <laughs> stopwatch. Clock stopwatch. like pack and say them. That's what's. To be honest, though, I don't listen to anyone who's in my corner. No, he's like, I don't think I've ever done something someone's asked me to. <laughs> so it's just a secret really I've done something Shane's told me to do, and it's ended in a bad result. And you should, maybe you shouldn't always listen to your corner. Now. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> That's so bad. But this is interesting though, that kind of relationship you guys have a post like a coach, because again, you guys have trained with each other, you know each other's tendencies, your game and that kind of I don't know, habits as well. So kind of feel if you get like I don't know, Roger Grace in your corner and because he hasn't rolled with you the same degree you guys have, you don't know each other yeah. that well. At that point it's that far yeah, removed. I've got a funny sort of amateur lads at sparring prime example like Dan Hardy he's not always there he's mainly there on the pros and obviously he's one of the best analysts in the world but if he doesn't know the guy we had we, he let Jimmy was like oh who do you want you to corner the two lads he was in and Dan cornered one and Jimmy cornered the other Jimmy was obviously the one saying the most just because he knows the guys Dan doesn't really know what they were good at so like just because you're high level doesn't mean you know you necessarily know that guy's particular game because you could be telling Shane to do something he doesn't ever do or would ever do are you calling out Dan Hardy for his cornering abilities? Are you saying you're a better corner man? No, no. Hardy. <laughs> I should be up for analyst of the year, not him. All right, John, <laughs> this right. <laughs> did you watch the UFC last night? I didn't actually. I saw some of the results. Uh, I'm, I'm not willing to stay up. I've not seen any of the results. Oh, I know Jimmy Riviera won. That's it. Jack Shaw won. Jack Shaw's on fire. Yeah, he is. Really is. Finishing the high-level guys, so that's good. Well, that was it. It's all the Cage Warriors card pretty much as well. You get like my mate um, Modestas. Yeah. His absolutely filthy elbows. That's what one in the... um He defended his tight with that same kind of like elbows against the cage, which is fucking horrible, mate. Boy, he's just out. 
he tries to play like um does it play possum but oh no I'll disqualify him because my head's all hurt and stuff it's like no you should be not bitch <laughs> like when they, when they give the European fighters a, a good a good shot they normally turn off and away with good results it's that you obviously don't see as much UK and European fighters on the UFC cards do you well, this is it. And regards to like your training at the minute, then, because again, you guys are both in a similar boat of like mainly jujitsu, but you know, getting stuck into MMA now. How are you finding that kind of transition, especially with each other? Is it like you know, throw a couple of strikes? Oh, I stopped. As soon as lockdown here, it just stopped. It was. We went up really. He wanted to have an MMA fight, sort of like show that he can can fight, which he can, and just just get one under his belt. So it's not he didn't want to be a jitsu guy. You know what I mean? Which he can, but uh, with the like when Polaris offer came up, it's not like it's not like it's a wise thing to do before something like that, is it? When you got the potential to be on them sort of shows, is an amateur MMA fight really worth it? Yeah, exactly. So it was pretty much Polaris took priority, and uh, and now I'm back at that stage where I might have a I'll have a fight one day, but I don't know when it'll be. So are you saying an amateur MMA fight where you can get maybe ticket commission and maybe a bit of a loss is less important than Polaris. All the yeah, controversial yeah. opinions coming out here, fucking hell, it's all kicking off. Yeah, I know. What can we say? This is well, yeah. Regards to your training now then, are you managing to find any sort of space to do anything? Is it a case you guys just sort of zoom rolling? Well, like, we're in, <laughs> trying to make this kind of... morning. Yep. We're in, a, in the mate's back garden this morning on some mats. Uh, yeah, just doing what we can really. We've tried to organise the volley and a few lads from that sort of way meet in a mutual location. But when you're trying to get that many lads together from all across the country and find the right day and the right time for whatever, it's just gets on some issues. Well, this is it's all sort of sneaky, sneaky time, and it's finding trying to, I don't know, rebuild some kind of structure. Because again, if you're used to the same kind of gym curriculum and no, not having to be sneaky, sneaky. And again, not yeah. trying to die from a pandemic, but you know, it's yeah, also it's other factors. Time. Yeah, it's getting, even if it's not much, and if it's better than nothing, isn't it? Yeah, we've done, we've done a few, fair few garden sessions. Yeah. You're all gardening in. That's what you want. <laughs> Are you guys one for like solo drills and stuff? Are you like one of these sort of white boats? You like sat, sat against the wall trying to like invert and stuff to keep on hey, doing that? I don't do partner drills, so <laughs> I'm not going to do solo drills. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. And I will drill some of them, but yeah, it's been competition. It's been mainly rolling. It's not been too much drilling. We'll we'll drill the same positions in like live scenarios, but I don't know. It's, it's hard. I'm telling you to rep out our and stuff like that to do it. You know you have to actually do yeah. it if you're in a class. But when you know you don't have to do it, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean that is it as well. Like. Shane, when was the last time you warmed up? Like an actual warm-up? Uh, we did. We, what, I, I warmed up for Polaris, actually. I did. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time I've ever seen him warm up. Yeah. Really I, I, I told Riley a week before, I was like, right, you've got to make sure that I warm up on Polaris. And if I say no, just make me. What was your warm-up like? Or was it a bit of like foam rolling and a bit of rolling out? Or was it like trying to get sweat on? What was your warm-up like on game? Uh, we did a bit. We started off with some like loose wrestling, standing up, a couple of takedowns, a couple of sprawls, stuff like that, like semi-live sort of scenario. Then did the same sort of thing on the ground with passing, and then I was on his back, and then he was on my back, a little bit, 
um, had him hopping on one leg that one. Like you move him about. I think that's a good one. And um, then finally, use your Tim Tam. Yeah, I got the Tim Tam out. <laughs> Hello, Sailor. I'm thinking of Tim Tam being the. Isn't Tim Tam the um, like chocolate straw thing that you put in? Like you bite the corners off and start drinking your milk through, like chocolate milk. Maybe. Yeah, that's like an Australian thing. Don't worry. Um, Ferhas Sahabi's massage gun. Oh yeah, the Theragun thing. With um, rule sets wise, and you guys have competed quite a lot in different sort of events. What kind of rules do you guys sort of favour? Like, what do I favour? Yeah, do you like the sort of EBI rules? Do you like sort of standard IBJJF? Obviously not, because you know heel hooks. But um, I quite like I quite like ADCC rules to be honest. It's half and half, innit? Like you can't, you can do, you can, you can do your fancy shit that might give up points in the first half, and then if it comes down to it, at least you know you can change your game up halfway around if it's not working. And this is where it gets interesting in regards to like strategy and trying to beat the system as such, and then also it changes how you roll, like. What sort of rule set do you feel you roll to in the gym normally? Are you trying to get position? Are you just trying to All get something allowed? Yeah, just sort of, sort of only grapple fest sort of thing. Where you, I I tend to not worry too much about where I put myself when I'm training because I know that's when you're supposed to. I think it's something like Paul has drilled into us from like we do a lot of guard passing, so rep in the same position. So whether it be like a Delaheva day or. A, or a full guard day or whatever, it'll start as in that position. So I think it forces you to have like quite a well-rounded game. And then obviously Nogi, people find Nogi a lot more fun, I feel. So it's always cool to take off a gi and roll, do whatever. You're feel sometimes a bit restricted in the gi. So it's nice to do things. He's throwing shade in the gi. He's throwing all the shade. He's firing the shots. <laughs> it's all kicking off. I can know. He's coming to make friends. No, yeah. I like the gi, but people but... just me up with it. <laughs> like Shane, he gets you in um Gito Kudu who's not one doing him. But anyway. He's so he's, he's not he's... I've not done gee for a long time. I can't remember the last time I put a gee on. I have put a gee on once in lockdown. Once or twice. Was it dressing gown? <laughs> that's me that's me for sure. Um yeah, God, it got it's got to have been the week before lockdown. Now, as a predominantly no-gi grappler, do you feel your gi actually helps you, like, the training-wise? Or would you rather go on a full no-gi uh, like, or go? I think it's good for grip training strength. Yeah, that makes a point. Good point. <laughs> I don't really know. Because I've always done both. I've never put one in front of the other. Um, I've always been used to doing both, so I don't really know what it's like not doing both. I know all at the moment, obviously, I'm only doing no-gi, but it's just... I still, I still can't make a comparison. When it comes to you guys training together, obviously competing at different levels and different experiences, how do you find it being beneficial rolling with each other? Because again, if Shane goes 100% and just smashes you right, I mean, I'll pretend that's the way it goes. I mean, you know, it's the other way around books. We're recording for argument's sake. We'll keep it that way around. Like, how do you... Well, it, it really does depend on the day. Like, it's like anyone at any level. Like, sometimes I'm feeling good and he's feeling shit and I want to get a bit of it. Or like today, I just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't. Not to get the better of him so much, get the better than I usually. Ooh, he's not his make friends. But um, no, I have to be on my A game. Once he just but he can't, he can't show me a lot. It really does depend on how we feel. Like, we'll 
drill stuff together sometimes, but it's mainly just rolling and. Well, and, then and, focus on like positional stuff sometimes. Yeah. So I let Ryan start on my back. Starting on arm bars, leg locks, these sorts of things, just giving him a bit of an advantageous position. Yeah, that does help a lot. Um, especially like, say, he starts on the bottom and I've got this passive start. That's just been missing on its own. Work from them positions, it, it can help a lot. So, for both of us as well. Yeah, helps me with my defence and tightening up those little mistakes that I sometimes make. And it just gives me a chance to drill stuff over and over again in like a fashion tested environment. I mean, but this is. is a, sorry, I thought you finished. So, this is where it gets quite interesting that kind of. Well, I keep in variety because, again, when you're friends with someone you're rolling with, you can't help but want to sort of smash him. You get that kind of like, yeah, I'm going to get you. But then it's also trying things and also being. I don't know. Vulnerable is a bit yeah, dramatic, but kind of like, you know, be prepared to put yourself in a vulnerable position to get caught and stuff, trying stuff. Yeah, it would have took him a while to get rid of the ego, I think. Well, <laughs> as soon as I got my purple belt, pretty much, is when I started, like, realising that I need to put myself in these bad positions. And if I'm going to get tapped, I'm going to get tapped. It doesn't bother me. Obviously, at the lower belts, it's bound to. It bothers everyone, no matter what they say. At one point, they, they got bothered when they got tapped. And then eventually you grow out of it. So I'm way past that stage now, which things help me elevate my game. So you're so waiting for it. <laughs> you're waiting for it still. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's helped massively. Regards to like competition standard, and that's just sort of getting that divide somewhere. Like, How do you divide your competition training versus your, I don't know, learning training as such, that kind of, Okay, um, sort of pick on the intensity close to the time mainly. Yeah, but I mean, apart from lockdown, I competed like once, twice a month anyway, so I was pretty much always in competition mode. It's like and when I'm not, I'm just regular. Like I said, I guess the training we've been doing before I knew I was on Flyers um, was just, I guess, just a bit of fun. It's, it's just a slightly more fun, less less focused. But then I guess the rest of the time it just got be a lot more focused on what you're doing and what the goal is. Like, I'd add in my strength and conditioning, some sprints, hit work, stuff like that. I wouldn't do that just for the fun of it. Yeah, that's, that's... Does the um, skateboarding help with the strength and conditioning as well? <laughs> well, I, I stopped that after like two weeks leading up to Polaris. I did, not, I did not want to be fucking falling over injuring myself before that. Oh, I can't shame compete. Oh, his kickflip was too gnarly. He broke his ankles. <laughs> it's too rad. Imagine. <laughs> Wait, don't need that. Skater boy, Shane. Now, what was it? when it came to Polaris in the first place, how much notice did you get? And when you got the call, did you do any sort of like, I don't know, sort of strategic planning as such for the certain opponents you might come up against? Or was it just, I don't know, more of the same as such? Um... I don't know. I can't even remember when it was, to be honest, that they asked me. Maybe just over a month notice, perhaps. And that's, I think that's about right. Four yeah, weeks. Something like that. So, enough. Like, I wasn't too bothered by the short notice because I've still been training anyway, as everyone else has, regardless of whether they admit it or not. <laughs> um, so, I was still training. And, and as for the opponent, I didn't really focus on anything until I until I knew who it was, which is only which was only a very short amount of notice, only a few days to be honest. Um so and then I just watched a bit of tape on him, 
just to help me in the preparation, see what I'd expect him to do from the from the get go. Now we spoke about a few things outside of this sort of conversation about like mindset and being sort of switched on on the day itself. Was it much on the build up that you sort of I don't know, didn't feel was right? Was it more when you got started, um, it didn't quite gel? What was your real point of realizing, okay, this isn't my day? I mean, in hindsight, I kept saying to myself, the lead up, I just couldn't believe I was on Polaris. I just kept saying that to people, to people, friends, and just I couldn't believe it. And I think that had a bit of a detrimental effect because I went in rather than being in the moment, being like, right, I deserve to be here. I was more in awe of the fact that I made it to Polaris because back when I first started training, like Polaris was like the only show in the UK. Grapple Fest wasn't around then. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, it'd be so cool to get on Polaris one day. Back when I was a white belt, not even thinking I'd make it that far. Um, and I think that just got a bit too much for me. I just couldn't pull the trigger. Um, I didn't do anything I planned. It, everything was just, at this point, it was just far too passive, very defensive. And I think that's due to the fact that I was just, my head just wasn't there. It was kind of, I was a bit like, a bit vacant. <laughs> I mean, that's always an interesting situation. Like, you hear it quite a lot with, I don't know, people, you know, idols, your idols become your rivals kind of thing. This concept of, okay, now you're at the same level and you can't believe you get so starstruck. Yeah. You can't, you respect them too much. And you can't quite, like, Anderson Silver and um, Stylebender, again, that kind of situation where, okay, someone who used to really look up to, then you just, nothing happens because, you know, you both <laughs> respect each other too much. And there's that kind yeah. of like, I don't know. It is interesting. Uh, exactly. Uh, that's completely before we even even thought about training. Training just comes up again. Now this is where it gets quite interesting as this transition. So you've gone from the Polaris to Big Show, something you've always looked at sort of getting to, and then coming up short due to your mindset. And now you get another opportunity on a more local show against someone who's belt rank lower than the competition but you know still hangs up with the sort of you know high level guys how would you find i don't know giving it the same respect and not i don't know seeing it as a a rebound's a bit dramatic but kind of yeah, you know, yeah. Sort of fixed kind of thing question um i don't really thought about it to be honest all that yeah. i was focused on I've, I've not really thought about it like that to be honest um all i was really focused on was the fact that i wanted to put polaris behind me so Whenever I take a loss, the thing that I normally do is try and then get back in sort of win to put my put my head mind straight really because I always dwell on last performance. So I think having this coming up so soon is stopping me dwelling so much on Polaris and just having me focused on that. You won't think much of it like a low performance. High level, you don't get that because shows don't come as often. I think. It's just getting used to that. Being regular to it again. Um, but yeah, um, I don't. I, I wouldn't look at it as if oh, it's not as big as Polaris. It's more, I guess, the fact that it is an invitational, which is obviously quite similar in that respect. Um, but I just tend to look at the opponent more than I would do the show, because a win, a good win, is a good win, no matter what show it's on. Now, this is an interesting sort of variant as well the fact you've gone from preparing for a tournament with loads of different styles to one match against one opponent with one style 
in the sense of this is you know one person to think about how does your approach change in that then obviously you've haven't got a lot of time to really change the world but regards to your approach is it going to be more strategic based or is it going to be more of the same of just you know your approach and adapting to the situation yeah there'll definitely be um, some strategy in there because i've only got one opponent and there's enough footage of him to watch to make a good assessment out of not to mention that i competed against him a couple years ago anyway Um, and he caught me he caught me snoozing a little bit didn't know who he was and managed to catch me but i've trained with him a couple times since so I know exactly what I'm preparing for, not to mention all the recent competition footage he's got as well. Now, Coach Riley, what's your involvement this time around? Regards, you know, being the main man behind the behind the scenes. How are you gonna get in Shane's head and make sure he's switched on? Just doing what I can. I don't know. Ty likes to do some crazy stuff and I've I've rolled with him a fair few times myself and He's uh, he's pretty slick to be fair. I can't I can't fault him on that. He is he is really good. Um don't don't think he's gonna go his way this time. I just think change too experienced for him. That's just the truth. Um but I don't know, just throw some crazy shit in there like Tyrese does, just try and mix it up a little bit. Fast pace, that's top sort of thing. With similar similar build, he's a bit bigger than me, but similar build, you know what I mean, similar size, similar pace. I, I like to I can sort of mimic him in a in a B tech B tech way. <laughs> B tech gym. That should be my new Instagram thing. That's a different conversation. The B tech, the B tech Yeah, just just try to be a bit like a bit more 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 um, so I wouldn't have turned it down. I wouldn't have taken the match if I didn't. That's another thing, though. At least I, I can say that I've never turned down a match against world against world class black belts or against fucking seventeen year old blue belts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now that's another conversation in itself. Um, that being the underdog in the Polaris situation, having nothing to lose as such. Now you're in the opposite. You are now the one who's quote unquote meant to win yeah. well I don't know everyone seems to be thinking Tyrese is going to pull it out of the bag so yeah it's on the dog again no pressure no yeah. pressure situation I mean it is an interesting yeah. sort of conversation that because it's all it's like MMA math and like jiu-jitsu logic it doesn't really add up it doesn't make a lot of sense but again it's more the mindset and the way you can really bounce back to dramatic I feel more like adapt and that kind of like develop from it but now, Riley, let's move things on a little bit because the other day on the phone, you were saying a few interesting things, that some funny work stories. Now, I'm curious as to what on earth you've been up to. So is this the things that happen? I don't know what anyone's been telling me. So you've told what, me. What, what is, oh, oh, my God. What did I What did I say? Some of your old job, but this is... Um, I can cut is this it? out if you want, but... Was it quite a private situation? No. Did I, did I even mention? Oh, right. Yeah. You were saying, yeah, you were on the phone and they're saying, like, oh, so we're talking about it on the podcast. You're like, yeah, sound. Otherwise, I would have brought it up and tried to <laughs> out you. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was just a misunderstanding, really. It was just a picture of my balls that ended up on, <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Associated with his work. Yeah, that was the big problem. I, I was out of my hands, though. 
that, so that, that was cyberbullying is what I call it. <laughs> so, Ginger, no, yeah, well, how did that happen? That, that's, not, that's not why I lost my job, though. I lost my job because I hated it. <laughs> I lost his job and got caught on his phone. Yeah, and then told my boss to fuck off. But I'm, not pr- I'm pretty idea. sure the uh, the latter had something to do with yeah, it. But fuck them, it was a shit job anyway. <laughs> Ginger nuts, that's fantastic. Wow. Um. God, just out sort of like sexual deviant. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you've been 18 yet. Is that like, actually illegal? <laughs> Yeah, I'm 22, thank you very much. I may look you, but... <laughs> I was getting... I've got Shane's back now. I'm trying to, you know, build it back up again. <laughs> Firing oh shots wow. back and forth. <laughs> got to protect him. Got to build up. He's got a fight coming up. Riley, Riley has a fight. It's a grappling super fight. Oh, we're going to get all touch over this. Is it a fight or is it a match? Yeah. One of those conversations. Go well, on. It's more, of a, it's, more, it's more of a fight than... Um, what do you What's another match? A chess Tennis. match. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's a bit more physical. Go on, on page, so. Is it a fight? Boxing fight or a match? Well, yeah. again, what what do you call it, Riley? You're the one who had a bit of a bite with this. Is it a fight I or is it everything a, match? a fight? I don't know. I feel like I don't know. It's it's not the same. You're not going in there getting your head smashed to pieces, are you? But it's still a fight that you're fighting to stop someone. But also, you. at the same time, you can 90% of the time, you can consciously see what's going to happen and stop it before it gets really bad. If you're going to get knocked out, you, you, you're not got much control over that. You know what I mean? You're yeah, but you do. Better. You can be better at striking. <laughs> I don't know. I'll call it a fight, though. Yeah. Say, very reluctantly. Very like, yeah, if we have to kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit biased because you know you've got <laughs> both jiu-jitsu guys and MMA guys as well. I mean, we're sort of I say MMA guys in like brackets, not to be confirmed. It's one of those ones. It's an interesting one, and this is an in- another sort of concept with this with your style of jiu-jitsu, and then keeping it MMA sort of standard. This is where the transition is going to be quite interesting. So, how do you find? Your jiu-jitsu adapting to MMA style, like your if you do pure jiu-jitsu, are you gonna? Both me or Shane, or both of us. Both really. I'm gonna start with you, Riley, because I've already asked Shane this properly, but I'm gonna ask you just. Um. Well, yeah, I can sort of answer that quite easily. To be fair, um, don't, don't be on your back. <laughs> it's not, it's not your, the best place to be. Your um, yourself, because again, if you guys are rolling like little boat, boat scooting a bit of possessional stuff, are you actively rolling differently? Are you rolling the way you normally would? I think. I like to uh, adapt the style I'm, I'm in, you know what I mean? If I'm in the gear, I'll use the grips. If I'm doing no gear, I'll play guard. If I'm doing MMA, I'll want to get up. But um, no, I, I definitely, I didn't used to come up on the underhook like I should. I used to be quite submissive in half guard and I'd like invert or, you know, give, give up position, which I noticed my brother does this like solely a dick guy who doesn't really do MMA. You do that in MMA, you're going to get mashed by somebody. It's just like you need to get up. You can't be just playing guard unless you're really fucking good at it. Um, especially with your similar level guy in MMA, you know, it's, you, yeah. I found out that I, I went to train with some of the pros, and I, I was like six months of white belt. I thought, yeah, yeah, I know a bit of jiu-jitsu, I'll be all right. And Joe Rice, uh, he's had a couple of pro fights, about ten amateur. He was in my guard and was just doing like ground and pound in the guard, and he was just smashing my face. I was like, shit. 
<laughs> this is not good. Well, Dean Truman, no, I, swear, I just play rubber guard like Eddie Bravo said. I'll be all right. No, not the case. It was just hammer fist in my temple. It wasn't good. It's not very nice of him. Tell him off for that. No, he learned hard. Learned the hard way. It's all right. When I, within a couple of weeks of me first training, Dean Truman elbowed me because his elbow pad slipped down and led to a massive bruise on the forehead. <laughs> he turned <laughs> elbows to sparring. Fucking hell. Dean, he had, he had elbow pads on and one of them slipped down as he went to elbow me. Have you ever met Dean? He probably knew it slipped down. <laughs> yeah. But throwing yeah. it in with pads on, like, I don't know, that's a bit of dangerous one of the best of times. Hey, I've never walked away from a round with Dean. I've never walked away from one. I've always ended on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Tapping, crying. <laughs> Please let I think, it's cause, I think it's his way of showing that me he likes me, I think. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people out. He doesn't. He doesn't like as well. Though. Yeah. <laughs> some from Column A, some from Column B, I think. And um, Carsten, he um made an interesting comment on Instagram about your first sparring with him. How was that? Oh show? yeah. Carsten's dropped me many a time for body shots. I didn't keep my elbows tucked in. <laughs> that was back in the day. God, when I first started training, bit of boxing with him in the mornings. Now, who had more tattoos at that point? Then, not the pair of you. Carsten's always had more, I think, than me. Yeah, definitely. Since I, as long as I've known him anyway. He's pretty well covered. He's been a tattoo artist for the entire time that I've known him as well, I think. I couldn't tell you any of his tattoos, though. I just know he's got a lot. Uh, I know quite a few. <laughs> I mean, he's living the best life right now out in Thailand. I mean, that's a bit... Are you guys ever going to go out there and visit him, do you reckon? I've been there once. I asked him how he was going. He's like, trapped in paradise. <laughs> yeah, he does love it. The world's smallest violin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still, still riding a motorbike over there as well. <laughs> like Wonderful. dance with the devil. I mean, you've got to have um, fun in your life as well. All right, boys. Absolutely. Where can people find you on the old social media? I think uh, it's BJJ on Instagram and Shane Oliver Curtis on Facebook. Riley McDonough, and that's all I really use for jiu-jitsu to be fair. 